0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Here with me now, the reading of God's Word coming from Peter's first letter to the church in Asia Minor, chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Since you call on a father who judges each one's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorify him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truths so that you may have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather this morning to worship and to praise you, and as we do so, O Lord. Speak to our hearts no matter where we may be. Speak to them so clearly that we would know your presence and thus be transformed into not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Several years ago, on either Discovery or History Channel or one of those shows, there was a a semi-reality TV show called Preppers. And the whole point of this show is that there was a group of people that feared the end of the world, or they feared the meltdown of the geopolitical climate, something where the world would devolve into sort of a Lord of the Flies scenario, or maybe it was the zombie apocalypse, whatever that means. But they feared this, and so they built these elaborate shelters or bunkers hidden away from the rest of the world in order to isolate themselves. And they stocked them with water, with canned goods, with freeze-dried food, beans, and even toilet paper. Now, as you can imagine with a reality TV show, a lot of times it's cast to where the characters, the subjects, seem a bit quirky and sort of out of the mainstream, but, you know, maybe when it came to this show, even though they seemed a little quirky and out of the mainstream, maybe these preppers were on to something after all. I mean, their motto was to be prepared, very prepared. And they were. Their whole idea was that there needed to be a backup plan that would save them and to preserve that which was most valuable to them in life. In Peter's first letter to the church in Asia Minor, he's speaking to those early Christians and he's telling them that the Christ crucified existed from the dawn of time, that Christ existed with, with God. And it brings back images of that text, that very opening part of John's Gospel where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And nothing that has ever been created wasn't created without the word. See, in other words, Christ all the way back to creation was the ultimate fail safe, the ultimate plan to redeem all of humanity if the world ran amok. And from the time of the fall of humanity where we sort of realized our free will and we went in an opposite direction from God's desire for us, God has always made pathways for us to repent and to turn back, to bring ourselves back in the right relationship with God because that's what God's greatest hope is for us and for the world. That we would choose that relationship with God where God would be first in our lives and God's teachings would be that which we wanted to hold on to, that which was most important. And so as we look through the history of the Bible from the Ark forward, we see faithful leaders trying to bring the people around. When it wasn't them with the prophets, the judges, the kings, all desired to lead the people back in a closer relationship with God, and it seemed it started out fine for a while, and then humanity's free will took control. And so even when we thought we knew what was best for us, we were sorely mistaken. And so finally, God breaks the glass in case of emergency and says, I will go among them and I will show them the way. And in doing so, sent his son, Jesus Christ, amongst us. So as Peter is writing to the church, he is almost as if reading a will at probate, sharing with the church that our inheritance is Christ crucified, raised from the dead and that we live in the land of resurrection now that we live with this resurrection hope but with that comes two imperatives the first we find in verses 17 through 19 live in reverent fear in exile you know you are ransomed not with perishable things like gold and silver but with precious blood the precious blood of Christ And the second imperative comes in verses 22 and 23. You have purified souls, be obedient to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love for one another, deeply from your heart, for you have been born anew. And so it's these two imperatives that the early church and now us as a resurrection people, we live our lives with these words coursing through our ears and into our hearts. First Peter writes, conduct yourselves in reverence during a time in a strange land while in exile. See, Peter was filled with his resurrection hope, and so with that resurrection idea, heaven had become the new creation. It had become the new home, and so while life being lived on earth became life in exile... Life becomes a pilgrimage by which we are to draw closer to God while we are to to perfect life to be the people God intends us to be. It reminds me of the words of Ted Hill, a member of our congregation who passed away just a year ago. Ted's motto was, life is no dress rehearsal. See, that's what Peter was writing to the people. The idea being that if we have reverence for life, if we value the things that matter most, and he goes on to say, not our stuff like gold and silver. But Peter writes, to matter those things that matter most, those that liberate us, meaning the blood of Christ, the resurrected one, then we find the joy of God's kingdom. I think we've come to kind of understand a little bit of this during the pandemic. I mean, I've been thinking about this pandemic as this idea of a great pause in life. I mean, think about it. Three months ago, what was a normal Sunday in your life like? Preparing for travel for the week, sports, arts. All of those things that sort of filled our time and competed with church for God's attention, competed with us, all those things have subsided, haven't they? And so now while we have this great pause in life, this opportunity to really think about what matters most, my question to you is what have you done with your time? I'm sure that many of you are like me where you have decluttered your house You have purged a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need anymore or or you can't wear or it's out of style or you just haven't really gotten around to and you've even cleaned out the junk drawer in the kitchen. Maybe you have gone scrapbooking and you finally put together your photo albums or maybe you're like me and you've taken stock of what matters most in your life. You've looked around your house and those things that really matter the most Those things that if I said, you've got to run outside of your house right now and carry them in your hands, those things that matter the most, that have the greatest value to you and your heart, you know what they are now, don't you? But along the same lines of this idea of what matters most, let's go a little deeper. Let's move away from our stuff and those kinds of things. Let's think about those things that matter most in our life, like our friendships those people that bring out the best in us, those that you can't seem to live without and to go more than a week without talking to. Maybe you make sure that you talk every night or every couple of days, or maybe you've even coordinated your trips to the grocery store. And while you're social distancing, while you gather all of the supplies for the week, you find yourselves back at your cars, visiting for another 30 minutes in the parking lot just because This is the person that you love desperately. This friend that you're so close to that matters the most. Or maybe even we go deeper still beyond our stuff and our friendships and our families. Maybe we've begun to think about our relationship with God. You see, that's what Peter is writing to the church about. This idea of a reverence for God and God's love for us and the entire world. Where we begin to listen and to let God speak to us. Where we begin to think about all the blessings that God has given and we give thanks for them. We give thanks for Christ and Christ's love for us. We give thanks for our friends. We give thanks for those things that mean the most to us. Not the most valuable monetarily, but mean the most to us sentimentally because of what they bring up. That's what Peter means by having reverence, this idea of having reverence while in a strange land in exile. But see, then he moves on to that second imperative that we set ourselves apart by obedience to the truth, where we have genuine love for each other. Now, I have to confess to you as an extrovert, This idea of a two-dimensional life is very hard for me. I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you in this place. Every week we come in here and we've kind of gotten used to preaching to an empty room and being in here and carrying on worship, just the 10 of us, but we miss you. I mean, Doug has been trying out different seats every week. He moves around. He's sitting in your seat today, one of you. It's a good seat, but we miss you. We miss being together, this idea of what matters, this sense of love and fellowship that we have here in this church where we are not just two-dimensional on a screen, but three-dimensional live and in person. And see, in Peter's imperative, the resurrection changed the world. Indeed, it changed it where we were no longer captive to sin and death, but it was also about to change the way that we interact with each other. It changed the way that the early church lived and the early followers They began to really devote their lives to each other, sort of had a new beginning on life, a rebirth, if you will. This idea of rebirth seems scary to some. We know this in our lexicon when someone says that they are born again, it evokes a scene that goes all the way back to the 70s when Jimmy Carter was running for president and someone asked him in an interview about his faith and he said, you call yourself a born again Christian, that sends to worry some of us. Now, those of you that know that term born-again Christian in the Bible about South, that's really about someone who has experienced Christ in their heart and chooses to live their lives a new way. And so that's what Jimmy Carter was trying to convey, that his life was changed by realizing that the resurrection had happened for him. It impacted and informed the way he lived his life then and even now. The resurrection has the power to change life. And that is so true. This pandemic pause gives us the opportunity to take stock of what matters most to us, to be reverent, but also to obey. Now, many of us have said, you know, on calls or texting, I can't wait for life to get back to normal. But let's just, let me break it to you. Life is not going to get back to normal. See, normal is just a setting on the dryer. Our life is constantly changing. It's different day in and day out. And while we yearn to go back to the way things were, think about this, life is in a lot of ways like a rubber band. We are being stretched and we are growing. And while we want to snap back to the way we were, we cannot do that. Instead of what if during this pandemic pause, what if this opportunity we use as a chance to reimagine our lives, to reorganize it, to be born again in the Spirit and have a reawakening in our souls instead. I mean, think about it. Right now, in many ways, we are our best selves. We're focused on that which matters. We think about others more than we have ever thought about them. We're focused on the concerns of the world around us. So what if we built upon that? I think about how we started this year in worship back in January, we talked about hopes and dreams, hopes and dreams about worship, about discipleship, about congregational care, about transformation. I think we're living into that. Remember we talked about worship where we would come together and we would worship with full hearts and we would celebrate the blessings of God. You look at our worship attendance numbers, they are up through the ceiling. I think because now more than ever, we know we need worship. And we have so much to be thankful for, and so we bring praise even in our living rooms. We have made worship a priority. What if we don't let go of that in the coming weeks, months, and years? We think about our discipleship. We are all reading and studying. I follow some of you on Facebook. Some of you email me. I see the things that you're posting. I know the books you're reading. They're making an impact on your lives. What if we continue to go deeper in our following, in our discipleship? The way we reach out to each other says that we care. What if we don't go back? What if we don't let that rubber band snap back, but instead we stay stretched? And this becomes the new reality where we care about the people who are closest to us, those in our sphere of influence that are right around us, And we keep tabs on them each and every week, checking on them, letting them know that they matter. Or what if we think about further, even back into the previous year, where we talked about the things that matter most, about loving our neighbor as ourselves, that transformative gift that we give the world. You all are doing that in your own way. What if we, like the early church, lived deeper into that, where we lifted each other up, guarded their dignity, saved their pride, but really shared with them sort of an embrace of God that says you matter to me and you matter to the world. What if we use these things as the foci for our life in a post-pandemic world, post-exile world, post-opportunity to come back? What if we were born anew and we became new people just because we experienced the resurrection hope in our lives during this time of pause. See, my brothers and sisters, there's no doubt about it. Global events change and shape the future. And as we emerge from this global event, as we emerge into a future, maybe we ask ourselves this question, how has it changed us? How has it changed our lives? In many ways, we were not prepared for a pandemic, but in many ways, the pause that it has caused has prepared us for a new lease on life, for a new life beyond the pandemic. The world was not prepared for the resurrection, but it changed the way of life for the world. So may we focus on the ways our lives have been changed, and his resurrection people, may we emerge from this time of pause, this time of focus, more reverent and aware of God's gifts to us and to the world, but also more obedient to the commands of God and towards each other. May we be more prepared to love the world now than we have ever been. Born anew in the love of Christ, new and emerging people, embracing the world with the love of God. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.